Welcome back to another year and another series of Game Changers, Series 5. Gosh, we want to thank everyone for their amazing support of our little podcast. We began in March 2020 wondering what it might be like to have a WeChat with some of the great educators out there who are changing the game of school. We didn't expect that so many might want to listen in and join the community, and yet it just confirms what we knew in our hearts about the courage and kindness of so very many Chalkies who want to step forward and up. The response has been so encouraging. It's even led us to build out the whole concept of a school for tomorrow, which takes the decades of research from Circle, the Centre for Innovation, Research, Creativity and Leadership in Education, and puts it into practice. Hmm, learning in practice. That might be a good title for another series. So, what did we learn on Game Changers in 2020? Well, we learned first in series one that the old model of school is broken. We can't do schools simply to fit yesterday's needs any longer. In series two, we established that we need today's learning for tomorrow's world. In series three, we explored how learning needs to be about the whole of learning for character, competency, and wellness. And in series four, we showed how learning needs to prepare all students to thrive in their world with the adaptive expertise and self-efficacy to learn, live, lead, and work with success. More on that shortly. So now we're wondering, what might it look like to put this learning into practice? What might it feel like to know that your students are growing in their character, competency, and wellness on the basis of an authentic, engaging approach to assessment? So let's do this thing. Let's talk about learning in practice and explore how we might know how well our students are progressing in the development of their character, competency, and wellness. Adriana, I'm excited. I can't wait. Let's go. Well, it's so lovely to be with you again, Phil, and thank you for that that recap of, of 2020. Wow, what a year that has been. And and, and uh, let, let's hope that 2021 is one that is uh, filled with much more hope and optimism on so many levels. But how is the second best city in the country going, Sydney? How's it treating you, my friend? Uh, look, you know, it's just peachy, Adriano. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, uh, it's I'm, I'm I'm feeling like uh, I'm feeling like I've come back to the place where I grew up, which is uh, which is exactly what I've done actually, and, and it's and it's lovely uh, to be amongst family and friends. Um, I know that you know it's 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 October in 2020 when we're recording this series for for release in 2021, and it's continued to be a very long haul for you in Melbourne under lockdown. I really feel for you, Amico. Um, but at least you've had some great programs to watch, haven't you? Well, that's a really nice segue there, uh, Phil. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Um, you know, recently uh, I've been reacquainting myself with original Netflix documentaries. And one of them that I, that I watched was uh, My Octopus Teacher, uh, a film that was directed by Philippa Ulrich and James Reed. And, and, and this really interesting film uh, or documentary captures a year of Craig Foster, this kind of free diver and filmmaker, who spent time, actually an entire year, as I said, with a wild octopus. What's really interesting is it was a mesmerizing and deeply moving film that goes so much deeper than the boundaries of science or the environmental awareness that, that is the most obvious part when you first initially start watching this. But what I witnessed was thinking, feeling, exploring, curiosity and empathy in spades. The land creature, Craig Foster, and the sea creature, which we'll call Little Octopus, um, building bridges through their emerging and enduring relationship, learning from self through the profoundness of place and the other. And at the heart of this fascinating love story of wonder and awe is a deep friendship built on the construct of trust. This trust was built on mutual respect, cultivated over Foster's sustained daily interaction with Little Octopus. This shy, yet at times playful and, cu and curious, unusual animal 
who actually becomes Foster's teacher. Little Octopus taught Foster to connect on a deep level to self, to place and to the other. This documentary illustrates that learning should be this, this kind of joyous, complex, challenging and awe-inspiring thing. One of the greatest, most heartwarming and beautiful nature documentaries actually I've ever seen, Phil. The breathtaking scenery captures the sheer beauty and, and the brutality of the natural world. Nevertheless, a, a mainly calming watch for most parts of this documentary, a terrific original feature for one's soul. This film gives you a glimpse of the extraordinary and the magical. My octopus teacher reminded me of this enduring potency of the character apprenticeship between a teacher and a student, between a parent and a child. Each life is very fragile, precious, beautiful, and of course, interconnected. Little octopus helps Foster connect more deeply with his own humanity, self-worth and the relationship with the natural world, helping him to turn to become teacher for his own son, exposing his boy to the profoundness of our world and our responsibility to it ensuring that the next generation becomes the keepers of this truth, reminding us all that we are part of this place, not simply a visitor. So we therefore all have a responsibility to the stewardship of our natural world for us and for, of course, for the future generations of all land and sea creatures to not only survive, but of course, that word that we've often used through all of our series, thrive. You know, much like this inspiring documentary, an educator that understands their role around character, the character apprenticeship construct can change lives. The best teacher-student relationships can be extraordinary and magical. Watch my octopus teacher and be prepared to be deeply moved by her tentacles of love, an example of living an incredibly full and abundant life. Interesting, you know, Phil, in the same week, uh, we've seen another great teacher, the natural historian and, and a giant of our time, Sir David Attenborough, launched his first ever Instagram account, how hip of him, uh, to help spread his environmental message in an attempt to further the crucial action needed on climate change. Attenborough has been serving us extraordinary and magical for decades. And he, and he once said this, the whole of life is coming to terms with yourself and the natural world. Why are we here? How do we fit in? And what's it all about? You know, this requires us a, a personal reckoning and an exploration of our truth in this gloriously complex and absorbing world that comes through the convergence of our purpose, our people, place and of course our practice in the sense of vocation that answers the fourth and final question of our purpose-driven model of human development the pathway to excellence when we ask whose am i you gave a quick overview of the first four series of game changes podcast earlier phil and let's remind ourselves in a little more detail about what we have covered in series four we looked at are you living or are you sorry are you thriving in your world we did this through the stories of 10 remarkable humans reflecting on the whole of learning, living, leading and working in today's VUCA world. It became clear via these conversations with our game changers that schools need a whole educational framework and an ecosystem that houses it to prepare students to best to grow, make progress and succeed and to thrive throughout the process emotionally, physically, socially, culturally and, and of course spiritually. A School for Tomorrow is built on the premise that human beings who are thriving have the adaptive expertise and self-efficacy to learn, live, lead and work well in a world that needs them to be, have the character, competency and wellness to become good people, future builders, continuous learners and unlearners, solution architects, responsible citizens and finally team creators. We now turn our attention to series five, where we look at learning in practice and we attempt to unpack the question how do we assess character, competency, and wellness? 
We do this with a new batch of extraordinary educators and disruptive entrepreneurs, each of whom have a different and compelling take on these six graduate outcomes and the value of doing schooling differently in the pursuit of the whole of learning that will create the conditions by which they might be attained. You know, Adriana, as I was sitting there and listening to you talk about uh, my octopus teacher and David Attenborough, I'm, I'm, I'm taken back to the late 1970s when my brother and I in our little pyjamas sitting in front of the TV at 7.30 on the ABC was uh, David Attenborough's Life on Earth. And uh, it's, it's been a continuum throughout our lives. My, my own kids adore um, Attenborough now. And, you know, what a great example of an educator who teaches and continues to teach through relationship. As we think about all of the sorts of things that you've been talking about, about learning in practice and the way in which we might assess it, I, I wonder how we put this learning into practice and assess the progress of our students. How might we do this best? And I think the pursuit of those outcomes as educators on a daily basis with our students and with each other is in no small measure the way in which we can determine the success of what we do in, in, in our schools. And to do that, we need to be armed with that ever-present question that our senior partner, Educational Research and Development, Brad Adams, tortures us all the time with by asking, how would you know? How would you know? How would you know that you're doing what you're saying that you're mm -hmm. doing? So as we've been working together and, and through the past decade of our, our global research, we've learned that the realisation of this whole of learning can be tracked through the development of the character, competency and wellness of our students and the attainment of these graduate outcomes. And they are all based on the civic character of belonging, the performance character of achieving your potential, and the moral character of doing what's good and right in the world. And that the way we do this in a school environment comes from the quality of relationships primarily, and how we place shared and intended values in, into action in those relationships. All of our instructional techniques systems and structures need to fit within the aspirations, kinship and pathways to success that are defined by the social exchange of these relationships. We must ensure that what we do is not simply that which entertains, interests or intrigues us. It, there's no room for the I reckon school of education. We must collaborate together as novices and experts through the intimacy of a learning relationship that seeks to guide, to encourage, to teach, to awaken and to sustain learners on their personal journey of discovery to acquire character, competency and wellness. Adriano, you referred to character apprenticeship just a moment ago. And of course, at A School for Tomorrow, we believe that growth in character, competency and wellness is cultivated best through purposeful and designed relationships that guide the natural developmental progression of a learner who begins as a novice, learning to articulate, reflect and explore, and then becomes an expert who models, scaffolds and coaches this expertise for other novices. These are the specific pedagogical relationships that we call character apprenticeship. And we believe that they're critical uh, in cultivating those deep encounters with, you know, if, to use your words in particular, care, connection, culture, community and courage in which students can nurture their wellness, they can shape their character, craft their competencies and acquire that adaptive expertise and self-efficacy for themselves in the first instance and then pass this on in turn to others. Now we see character apprenticeship as a strong and yet non-judgmental way of explaining how a student learns about character in relationship with others in place. Our model for character apprenticeship emphasises the importance of teaching and leading others on the road to mastery of character as a signal feature of the impact of an education 
a whole education. In other words, there must be a deliberate pedagogical shift in the power dynamic of the learning relationship. As the expert hands over the opportunity to teach others to those who once their novices and are now experts in their own right. We also think that the movement from novice to expert is not necessarily linear and nor does it preclude a learner in being both simultaneously novice and expert. So, and we can see this from the evidence of our research program that many supposed experts who still regard themselves as being learners also benefit from being in relationship with those whom they consider to be greater experts. So, you know, and this, this picks up that whole notion of that sort of ecosystem that, uh, that you've been so uh, prominent in, in teaching people about all around the world, that it's about the interconnectedness of relationships and it's about, it's about systems of network rather than linearity or, or hierarchy that this work, the character work, is really done. It's in this way we can see that character apprenticeship doesn't exist in a vacuum. An education for character, for competency and wellness, this whole education is the articulation and application of a school's whole program of education to equip, empower and enable students to thrive. And that's what we call wellness by design. So character apprenticeship is the primary pedagogical vehicle by which all learning journeys on the way are formed in these purpose-driven relationships between novices and experts. And these relationships are supported, inspired and challenged by an overall framework for education based on the graduate outcomes that we've talked about and the whole ecosystem of values and systems and structures and relationships to which we referred earlier. And these all come together to create the educational home for the values and the culture of the school, its community and its context. Character apprenticeships therefore are enhanced by a shared commitment to continuous learning, which is a flexible online and offline approach to the design, development and delivery of learning and teaching that allows all to access learning from their own location, supporting the notion of anytime, anywhere. Well, this continuous learning does not prescribe a particular pedagogical uh, set of techniques beyond that fundamental uh, notion of the relationship of character apprenticeship, but it has potential to support student-centred and student-led approaches to personal learning progress through a combination of character apprenticeship relationships, the pedagogies that are situated and suited to them in the moment, and a map of the whole experience of schooling. Really, really love when you uh, start talking about and unpacking this notion of character apprenticeship, which, which is so much at the centre of uh, our thinking, our collective thinking around the whole of learning and, and the incorporation of uh, character competency and wellness. You know, and for me then, this really then sh shines a spotlight on learning in practice and the why, the what, and the how of what matters for this new world environment. You know, teachers and, and school leaders everywhere are already thinking about how to move forward, how to adapt the way they think about how our students learn and the environments in which we encourage this learning to take place. And, and for mine, the future of learning is around this notion of the significance of place. You mentioned a moment ago, the idea of anytime, anywhere, and, and, and I'll extend that on campus, online, in context and in country. I've previously written about tr transforming learning via my classroom uh, of tomorrow posts. Uh, and, and the focus of some of these posts uh, about my own learning, about my practice has included, for instance, moving from school to community, where our students are connected to the world beyond our classrooms in unprecedented ways. Schools need to move from the isolation of the boundaries, uh, of their boundaries, I should say, to embracing the concept of connectedness. 
using the ability to leverage interdependence, uh, crowdsourced knowledge, and connect with others through such tools and media as blogs, podcasts, Twitter, et cetera, and of course, the broad community partnerships. Uh, another one of those kind of um, practices that, that I'm a huge advocate for is, of course, digital literacy. Access to digital resources and social media means that learning is no longer confined to, confined to the bricks and mortar space of the classroom, where the types of learning experiences that take place are at the discretion of the teacher. That is yesterday's thinking. And, and another area, of course, is where we start to move from st standards to habits. Under so many state-mandated curricula these days, there is a move for curriculum design to embed a greater emphasis on key competencies and general capabilities. Students are required to develop their critical and, and creative thinking, ethical, intercultural, personal and social skills as they learn to generate and evaluate key knowledge, clarify concepts and ideas and seek possibilities, consider alternatives and solve problems. All of this will require a paradigm shift from academic standards to critical habits of thinking and of course of learning. And one of the final areas I wanna kind of just touch on really briefly is the rise of personalized learning plans. As a result, schools need to develop personalized learning plans for students, which will, which will enable each student to access a curriculum design at a pace that best suits their abilities and engages with knowledge, skills and wisdom that are most beneficial to them at their particular stage of, of their learning journey and the relationship of the character apprenticeship that has been formed to build their character, their competency, and of course, their wellness. And there's still so much more that intrigues me, you know, Phil, what, what might be the roles of meaningful project-based learning? What might be the role of formative assessment solutions and, and game-based learning or co-constructionism or crowdsource classes? You know, I love hearing you pose questions like that. It, it, it you know, it, it brings to mind, you know, that, that great question that uh, Leanne Wilson, our partner, Community Education, Engagement and Healing, would say, which is, which way next? You know, it's just full of curiosity, it's full of playfulness and possibility. And, you know, it invites experiment. It invites the search for a better way of doing things. And, and you know, if I've, I've been arguing for the, the, the past 10 years that it's leadership which unlocks the potential within a school to do great things. It's reflection, which is the tool of the individual practitioner that we've learned um, uh, uh, does so much to shape purpose and to create that connection between purpose and people and place and practice as, 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 we, as, we, as we talk about. And, and you know, that's what we've embedded in our courses now. Courses which are all based not on the transmission of knowledge so much as reflection on who you are, where you're located, where you think your service might be best directed and, and the vocation to which you, you're called to, whose you are. And in that way, you know, the journey of an educator is no different from the journey of a student. We're all learners together. There's so much for each and all of us to learn about how to test out the effectiveness of all those strategies that you were talking about, such as, you know, the, the personalised learning from standards to habits and digital literacy, the movement from school to community. It really helps me to think about us and what we're doing when I hear educators like you talk about these sorts of things, because at the end of the day, the job of the game changer in making things happen once you have imagined that there might be a different way of doing something, and once you've taken that creative step forward and up to say, this is the way, and we can do this together, then it's about, now, how do I equip, empower, and enable you to build an individual and collective sense of your purpose, 
your people, you know, our purpose, our people, our place, and our practice into a shared approach to our professionalism that can become central to the work of educators in good schools and even in great schools. So what's our starting point? What are we seeing in our research about great schools around the world right now? Well, what we recognise is that typically what we call a school for tomorrow, which is, if you'd like, that's, that's the promised land of the whole concept of a school for tomorrow.com is how to help people become uh, the, the agents uh, that build a school for tomorrow. Well, a school for tomorrow invests significant time and other resources into designing and asking the right questions. What is ordinary in the daily course of human activity is being redefined on a daily basis in the way that you seek to redefine your practice, Adriano, on a daily basis. We're all recognising the compelling social need for children to continue to engage in their learning. Students need to know what they're learning and that's aspiration. They need to go on a journey of encounter, connection, challenge and discovery to acquire character competencies. That's experience. They need to join us as the co-authors of their narrative of, of this learning journey, and that's agency. They need to discover their own identity and how best to express it through their learning and relationships, and that's voice. And they need to be provided with the time, support, and conditions that will help them to make the most of their learning, and that's resource. What we're seeing through the Game Changers podcast and beyond is that schools and educators everywhere are questioning old practice and looking forward and up to what might come next. And they're realizing that what we're doing now is different to what we did before and that we are no longer adhering to the idea of school as we so recently might have known it. They're also understanding that when this specific disruption of COVID-19 is all over, it's unlikely to revert back to that which we once had. We've begun to sketch out the map of what our journey might look like. We can see the graduate outcomes and the emphasis on the whole of learning, on the character, competency and wellness that builds adaptive expertise and self-efficacy to attain them. We understand the way in which our purpose, our people, our place and our practice can be aligned into a shared approach to our professionalism. We can see the need for character apprenticeships in which character, competency and wellness are forged through deep encounters with care, connection, culture, community and courage and kindness. We can see how new ways of thinking and learning need to respond to the call for the exercise of enterprise and initiative by all in our world through sustainable and meaningful stewardship of our planet. If this is the future, then we're gonna need some success criteria based on evidence and research to guide us as we venture forward to boldly go on our own enterprises together as school communities. And so while we continue to design and deploy continuous learning for our students, the whole new norms of thinking and learning of character apprenticeship and a purpose-driven framework for a whole education and the physical realities and possibilities of when and where and how learning occurs also requires us to think about how we can know if we're doing that which is working. We can't just fall into the easy routines and rhythms of the past. No more, I reckon. We need to go back to first principles to examine and validate the learning work that's going on. That's that notion of warranting practice again that Brad keeps reminding us we need to do. We need to take responsibility for the fact that if we're going to build a school for tomorrow, we need to do the things that work. We need to measure progress of our students in an authentic and meaningful fashion that goes well beyond outdated ranking systems of public examinations. And we need to show that what we're doing is actually working. On the whole, we can see 
that the whole world of potential for young people is about finding their passions, learning about the necessity of effort, dreaming about possibility, achieving good outcomes linked to real world problems, exploring their sense of self and spending time with their friends. Every day now we're building a school for tomorrow by asking and answering, hopefully, the right questions about learning. Do we know whether what we're doing is working and to what effect are we doing what we intended to do and what else is happening along the way? Let's unpack some of these concepts, Adriana, this character, competency and wellness and consider how they might intersect with our commitment to aspiration, experience, agency, voice and resource in teaching and learning. I might do character and perhaps you might look at competency and wellness, that's okay. Um, so if we, if we talk about character, let's start with the notion of those learning communities to use your, your, you know, that, that shift from school to community. Learning communities are fields in which we help the young people in our care to rehearse for their adulthood. And to do this, we need to provide them with many diverse encounters with and experiences of character, competency and wellness within deliberately incremental and immersive learning on campus, online, in context and in country, as, you, as, as you've said previously. The journey of becoming sees meaning develop into understanding, authenticity shapes identity, transformation is aided by deep reflection, an emphasis on resourcefulness and sustainability, progress towards one which is more concentrated on process than just results and an awareness of service becomes the generation of true purpose and all the relationships that are occurring ground the need to appreciate the broader context of a wider world through the development of the civic character of belonging, the performance character of the achievement of potential and the moral character of doing good and right things in the world. However, it's not, it's not a simple scorecard because the formation of this character is itself a process of wrestling between the inner sense of who you might become, and we call that realisation, and the replication of external expectations about what you need to do. And none of us is ever perfect in our replication or in our realisation. We call realisation the mark of a person, we call replication the measure of a person, and we need to learn how to place this wrestling between the mark and measure of a person in pursuit of belonging, the achievement of potential and the doing of what is good and right, foremost in what we do in a school. And to assess how a student is making progress in a process that of itself might never necessarily be as clear as we'd like. Although it will be a lot more honest and meaningful than some decontextualised exam mark. Certainly the character work won't be complete by the time our students are 18 and moving on to whatever it is they're going to go and do in the world. And although we might have helped them, to begin to attain graduate outcomes that will help them thrive in their world while they continue their character learning, there is so much more to come. So we need to rethink what measurement looks like to help us give a, a genuine picture of the whole of learning and of the person who each student is becoming. You know, this, this is the area that continues to be one of the biggest stumbling blocks in helping people move from the comfortableness of the status quo into a new world of thinking of what learning community's role is going to place in the, the whole of learning for, for young people. This notion that you just mentioned there about measuring things. And, and I just kind of get this sense, you know, Phil, because I don't want to use the phrase, I reckon. <laughs> um, I kind of get the sense that, that what you just explained there, particularly around the transformation aided by deep reflection, that might be part of the whole answer going forward about what we're measuring. Because what I've been able to witness in my entire career is when, when the greatest growth and gains uh, I have seen both from 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 a, an academic achievement point of view, but but more predominantly 
a personal growth point of view of the students in my care is when they have taken the time for that deep reflection, where, where they've really taken in the learning process and taken a step back uh, and, and really considered their whole role in it. What was their application? Uh, how committed were they to that particular area? What was the learning that challenged them the most? What made it easy for them? All these different things that came through. And because so for me, that kind of leads them beautifully to the, to the, the second dimension that we, we often speak about, and that is the actual area of competency. You know, these skills and knowledge that, that we want young people to acquire. But, but what's really important here is it, is it is so increasingly becoming more and more obvious that the mission of childhood education can no longer be a generation of standardised test data. And I think you've just illustrated that in, in what you've explained around character and character apprenticeship. But learning powered by the physical, mental health, and of course, the emotional competency and well-being of every student and every teacher. I mean, to, to equip today's students to thrive in this kind of workplace of 2030 and beyond, a whole new curriculum competency framework is, is needed. You know, one that centres on, on the foundational literacies of, of our ways of knowing and, and that leverages up from that using capability skills, which we call our ways of thinking. And then, of course, our character attributes, our ways of actually being. At no point will literacy and numeracy uh, not the continued building blocks on which all learning rests and strong discipline knowledge still matters. We accept that. Not so that students can regurgitate facts, but because it is fundamental to deep understanding, robust thinking and learning skills and an ability to learn and transfer through application. So what are some of these ways of knowing, thinking and being? Um, you'll know them already. Creativity, collaboration, critical thinking and communication are, are, are some of those real common ones. So much of what we are seeing in schools and their learning communities right now tells us the mood of our profession is taking us towards forward thinking and future focused learning and characteristics such as these. They incorporate content for skills application and learning experiences that leverage real world opportunities for the transfer of foundational literacies, capability skills and character dispositions. All are designed to support young people to thrive through continuous learning that begins with wellness and flow into competencies and the, and the lifelong development of character. So that kind of now takes us to the, the notion of wellness. That's why our kind of continuous learning competency framework informs and is informed by our wellness by design model. For learning communities, a positive sense of individual wellness uh, supports a base for rich learning growth and achievement that enables all learners to thrive throughout their time at school and beyond. Wellness and the full flourishing of the individual cannot be separated from learning. It is therefore imperative that any continuous learning competency framework for all school communities or learning communities needs to develop a learning ecosystem model that equips the learner, empowers the learner and enables the learner, positioning wellness at the heart of school life. The aspiration of equipping the learner is the nurturing that occurs in authentic relationships between the people and the partnerships within communities that encourage all learners to connect, to belong, to grow, and ultimately to thrive. The aspiration of empowering the learner is a whole school environment for all learners and their communities to feel safe, and that values inclusive, positive, and respectful relationships. And finally, the aspiration of enabling the learner is via promoting agile learning and teaching experiences that empowers and motivates adaptive learners to nurture authentic participation and agency. And the assessment of equipping, empowering and enabling the learner is through explicit application and questioning of a wellness by design framework. So we challenge everyone out there 
to adopt a framework of wellness by design to lay the foundations for how to create and assess character, competency and wellness. For today's context of learning and schooling and for the sake of today's COVID children and of course, for those future generations. Oh, thanks Adriano. Um, that's just, it, it, it sums everything up really, really well. Can I, can I just share one last story before we finish? Of course. Is that okay? So, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a history teacher, so, so I've, I've got a spinning yarn of some sort. Um, uh, about two weeks ago, um, a former student of mine called Monty made contact with me and, uh, and, you know, he's about 10 years out from school now, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, we were having a chat, he's in London at the moment, and uh, he was walking his bike from somewhere near Twickenham to somewhere else. And, you know, the way he was doing it reminded me of our chairman, John Layton, who's, of course, as, as we know, a cyclist and addicted to Lycra and, and, and <laughs> strides purposefully everywhere he goes. And it's just this model of energy and determination. Well, that's Monty absolutely through and through. His journey from an early age uh, has involved cancer, which, as you know, has a particular relevance for me. But well beyond that, it has relevance for all the people who Monty has come in, in touch with in his life. When he was at school and he was a teenager at a time when uh, lots of people would be self-conscious about any uh, change in their appearance and he was going through chemo and losing his hair. He used to wear this really silly hat with weird um, multicoloured hair that used to flow um, from it. And when he left school, he, he gave me the hat and I've still got it upstairs. And, and you know, funnily enough, you know, a week before he made contact, I, I was going through my room and, you know, there, there was that hat in my memento drawer and I was thinking about that. Since he's left school, he's really out there in the world. He's passionately engaged in education and enterprise. Um, he does long distance runs for charity. He's uh, deeply committed to philanthropy and his particular cause is the World Transplant Games. He's a passionate advocate for getting out there and making a real difference in the world. He's, he's so positive despite the ups and downs and he's, it just makes you feel good about being in the world because so much of what he's learned is being optimised through the development and application of purpose in his life. He's, he's an absolute inspiration to everybody. In, in, in so many ways, he embodies the journey of, of what we talk about with the pathway to excellence and, and the way in which we as educators can help craft that way for somebody like that through their lifelong journey um, where they're trying to work out what their mark and the measure is and how they're going to meet that through a whole combination of outcomes like being a good person, a future builder, a continuous learner and unlearner, a solution architect, a responsible citizen and team creator. Hey, and, Phil, you know, what, what, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, I'm fascinated by this story. What, what did you learn from him? I think what I learned most from Monty was how to remain positive under all circumstances and how to find an upside in anything. I mean, I think probably since my time of working with him, which you know might be might be 15 years ago now, might have started about 15 years ago, and you know finished up maybe 11, 12 years ago. I think people would potentially say about me. Certainly, my children would be very irritated um, with me at times because I, I tend to look on the bright side of things. Because you know, despite what life throws at you, you've always got the road ahead. And you've always got better that you can do. And there's always somebody else that you can help along the way. And, you know, it's, there's a temptation for all of us at times in our life to feel sorry for ourselves. But then you can think about people like Monty and you just go, I could have yourself, you know. Yeah, there's yeah. so much more to do. There's so much more to build um, along the way. And, you know, Monty's story is about Monty. It's not about me. It's about him. 
But no, I appreciate that. But you know, sorry, Phil. But you know, what I was hearing was, you know, the teacher became the student, and then the student became the teacher. And I just kind of love that kind of circle of life kind of uh, scenario that you were sharing with us. Anyway, I, I interrupt you. Sorry, oh, keep yeah, going. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, a, it's, a, it's all good. It's a, that's, a, that's absolutely what it is. It's, it's, it's those sort of relationships that sneak up on you that I think all of us as, as educators can relate to. That, you know, sometimes we can look at this notion of, 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 of character or apprenticeship and it might just seem like something too technical and theoretical. And yet here it is, learning in practice. And, and, and I guess that's what we really, really want to do in this series, you know, and, and I know you've got stories to tell like this, and I know every educator's got stories to tell like this. It's our ability to reflect on ourselves, as, as you said, and draw out the lessons um, that really helps you take what might seem technocratical and theoretical and make it real and make it a lived experience and move on from there. You know, it's, it's, we need these stories to deploy to shape our sense of purpose so that we can demonstrate the perspective required. And, and, and yet at the same time, we've got to remember that we're just learning like everybody else. You know, there's so much more that we have yet to do about putting learning into practice and assessing the progress of our students along the pathway to excellence. Um, I can give you a pretty good assessment of Modi right now for the life of me, I can't remember what he got in his year 12 examinations. And I don't really think that's relevant, you know, because the, the mark and measure of a person or, or exam results are, are just a very small component of that along the way. You know, in this, in this series five of the Grain Changers podcast, we've got an amazing lineup, 10 remarkable educators and disruptive entrepreneurs who will once again challenge our binary thinking and inspire us to approach the notion of schooling differently. Are you looking forward to it, Adrian? I'm really excited about what, what we're going to encounter with the, these individuals because uh, we have curated uh, some seriously dynamic people from across the globe. And uh, I just can't wait for people to hear what they have to say. Well, let's go. The Game Changers podcast is produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions. It's powered by schoolfortomorrow.com and circle.education. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, on Spotify and on Google. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, subscribe, like, you know what to do. Let's go.